With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Fueled by the Outdoors podcast. If you like what you hear, please be sure to subscribe. Tell us what you think in the comment section and leave us a review. I just hammered a good one. Dropped the Asher. Never seen that deer before. It's a tough pill to swallow after having that deer at 18 yards. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. I'm your host, Chris Leppert. Rick Cates couldn't be with us tonight. And tonight I am joined by my personal Bo Tunington. <laughs> Jeff Dennis. What's up, dude? Not much, man. What's going on? Oh, uh, well, just hanging out with you. We're getting gas and pumping water after trying to tune my bow in the 90-degree heat. Yeah, it was a little humid out there today. A little humid. Um, so tonight, <clears throat> this is kind of long overdue, but Jeff basically lives in Indiana almost. And uh, he's a hop, skip, and a jump far away from me and uh, we wanted to do a little podcast um, breaking down his late season turkey hunt he kind of killed a buzzer beater (laughs) and it wasn't just any bird it was a hell of a bird and it was on public land so um, without further ado I'm not really gonna talk too much hopefully here Uh, this is Jeff's story so I'm gonna kind of let him kind of break down how his season had gone and then uh, just get right into that day and what happened. So take yeah. it home, man. So um, Don't forget to tell me where to turn, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, uh, so, you know, I've, I've been turkey hunting for probably 12 years or so. Um, and my very first turkey that I shot was actually at a buddy's house. And that turkey was actually bigger than this one. Jeez. It, that one had a, like a 12 inch beard on it and that was like the most random turkey hunt of all time but um so i've been you know hunting pretty pretty hard for turkeys ever since then but i've just not had much luck um so uh you know i started coaching my my daughter's softball team and that you know that starts up in the spring so i've been doing that a lot on the weekends like i didn't even buy a tag last year Cheezel. so um you know i i coached her again this year but i i flat out not that we're gonna be turning here in a second um i was i'm gonna i was gonna turkey hunt for sure this year um so yeah that's it so I uh, I actually didn't even buy my tag. I don't think until probably a week or week and a half or so into the season. Jeez. Um, just because you know we've got projects and stuff going on around the house, and softball's three days a week, and you know you can the first week you can't hunt after you know twelve o'clock anyway. So my mornings were already kind of screwed up. So um, so I bought the tag and I've been going out to. Uh, a public land spot that you and I had hunted 
a couple years ago. And, um, yeah, we can get into that story if you want. But, uh, so, um, I'd gone out there probably three or four times after work during the week. Um, and I would just, you know, kind of walk around a little bit and call and listen and wasn't really hearing much. Um, but there were the, the two times before I killed my bird that I was in that area, there was a, there's a big long field and there's a trail that leads back from the parking area to this field and it comes in on like the far west end of this field and it's probably a 300 yard across you know field it was a pretty big field so um the two times before I killed my bird I actually saw turkeys on the far east side of this field all the way on the other end as I was, you know, heading back to the truck. So, um, this was, it was the Friday before the end of the season. So last day of the season was Sunday. I left work on Friday at about 3.30. Um, it's about a, I don't know, probably a 40 minute drive or so. And I had stopped and got some, so it took me an hour or so to get to the parking area. And then I, I had made a plan where I was gonna just go all the way to the east side of that field, but I wasn't gonna go down the trail and come cut across the field. I was just gonna make my way through the woods. So, you know, just made my way through the woods and it was pretty thick and took me probably about an hour or so to get out there. So, um, it was 5.30. I had one single hen decoy. I set it out in the field and um, I, I go to get, you know, set up on the edge of the field and there's nowhere to really set up. You know, they had, they had just tilled the field up, but there was probably, you know, 10 feet of two foot tall grass all the way around the field. So, um, I couldn't really sit against, you know, up against a tree or anything cause I wouldn't have been able to see anything over the tall grass. So I basically just stood behind this big honeysuckle that was right on the edge of the field and it was open on both sides so that I could, you know, jump out, you know, the left or the right, whichever, whichever way I needed to. And, um, so I just sat there and, or stood there and, um, you know, it was, it was really windy that day actually. So like, you know, trees moving kind of masked my movement pretty well. And it actually made that decoy out in the, there was points where that decoy was just spinning, just spinning like a top out in the middle <laughs> of this field. I'm like, Oh geez. Um, so anyway, that turkeys, the, you know, decoys out in the middle of the field spinning around. I'm calling from time to time, just kind of, you know, there's nothing talking back to me. I didn't hear any gobbles, didn't hear, you know, it's late in the season. So they're not really, not really talking back to you much. Um, so I sat there for about two hours or so. Um, it got to be about 7.30 and I was thinking about packing it up and, and I was gonna hunt one more day. I was gonna hunt that Sunday morning. Um, you know, that was the last day of the season. So I'm sitting there just debating on whether I wanna pack up or not, you know, cause it's a good even even down the trail, it's probably a half hour walk back to the truck. Um, 
And so I'm, you know, kind of just scrolling through my phone, standing there, screwing around. And I look up to my left, and this turkey is full strut right in the middle of the field, probably 60 yards away. So <clears throat> I, uh, you know, obviously my heart starts freaking thumping. The first thing I saw was just red as could be his head. And then his beard was just dragging the ground. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Um, so, you know, heart, heart starts thumping, put my phone away, grab my shotgun, and I'm standing there. And I'm waiting for him to come in, and he just he just stood out there for, you know, probably 10 minutes at 60 yards, just walking back and forth, strutting, moving his tail around, picking his head up and looking around, just waiting for that, that decoy to come out, uh, you know, come to him, basically. So... I'm waiting and waiting and waiting, and finally I just got got impatient, and uh, I stuck my gun up through the middle of the that honeysuckle and shot one, and he took off away from me. Um, he wasn't flying, but he was just running, so I jumped out from behind that honeysuckle and fired two more shots at him, and he hit he hit the tall grass on the opposite side of the field, but I didn't see him go anywhere else so I'm running I'm, I'm like sprinting after this turkey and it's you know they just tilled this field up so it's just mud oh my and God. like chunked up giant mud. clods so of like, dirt yeah so I'm trying not to roll an ankle while I run across this field and I'm pulling more shells out of my vest and you know throwing them in my gun as I'm running across and that thing probably ran like a champ after being shot three times. Well, the once when it hit that tall grass on the other side of the field, I didn't see it go anywhere else. Like it was tall, but it wasn't. You know, it was. I would have been able to see him because my last. How far did he run? You think? Uh, maybe like 30, 40 yards. Oh wow. Um, but my last shot was like right as he was hitting that grass. Okay. So I think the last shot hit him and knocked him down, and. So I'm running across this field and I, I get over to him and he's that you know he's still alive but he's not he's not moving, and uh, I, I I shouldn't have wasted another shell. I freaking wanted to put him out you know put him down, but I didn't want to just explode his head at you know two feet right with a twelve gauge, and uh, so I tried to shoot just a little high, just like maybe a couple pellets would catch the top of his head or something put him out and i think i just completely missed and so then i just ended up choking him out with the butt of my shotgun jeez but and have that's you ever video. rang a bird's neck uh-uh. no? no yeah you can you can do it that way or i mean you can like stomp their head in or whatever it's yeah. kind of morbid i guess right <laughs> right but um but that's the video i i took that video and sent it to sent it in the group and I was, man, I was freaking out. He was, yeah, it was a good he bird. Was a stud bird. What and did then, we figure out? He had an he, inch and is an inch and five eighths, five eighths, and an inch and a half spurs. Yeah. And then his beard was like eleven and a quarter. Yep. And he was twenty-two and a half pounds. Okay. Yep. 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 That's what I had. Okay. So, man, hell of a way to tag out in Ohio. We went to one bird this year, so. Um, you know, you kill one and you're tagged out and feel good about it. And then, you know, you kill a bird like that anywhere and you feel amazing. <clears throat> and then 
to boot, it's on what I would consider some very pressured, tough to hunt public land. I've turkey hunted there multiple times and I've had, I've had one opportunity to kill a turkey there. Um, and I wouldn't call it an opportunity. It was far away. Um, well, that's an opportunity for you. That's an opportunity for me though. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so other than that, the only other real opportunity I think I've seen was when you and I went turkey hunting together and I made you walk mm-hmm. all around Ohio Yeah. after you told me you heard one gobble at the truck. And I was like, well, we'll throw the crow call out through the crow call out. Nothing. Sure. Shit. We walk around, probably did four or five miles at least that evening. And then we get back, back to the truck with to like the truck. 10 minutes left illegal hunting. And I throw out and, a hoot owl call. Yeah. And sure enough, right where I told you. There he, he goes. He sounded off. I would, man, I was, I was a little hot. I'm sure. I was like, you son of a God. Yeah. Yeah. I would be. But, I mean. Well, and we were trying to get Greg a bird that day. Yeah. And so you're like, you're like, Greg, come on, let's let's go. And he's, you know, got his shoes untied. Oh, he's got all God. his shells out of his gun. He's like, he's well, gotta, like, you get know, ready. Well, I'm like, Jeff, I'm let's just go. like, dude, let's go. <laughs> we start running through that field. So we go and we're walking all over looking for this bird. And this bird is like super close talking oh, like it's probably inside of 25 yards it's probably. inside 20 yards yeah. easily and we're just looking like where the hell is this turkey well we get to where we can kind of see that there's a really good drop off and i'm like well the only thing i know is that that bird is roosted hopefully <laughs> not just standing on this on the side of this hill because it's pretty steep i figured he's probably roosted you know he probably came up here and jumped off the drop off and flew five yards or whatever and got on a tree limb um that's what i would do if i was a super smart turkey so so i told jeff i was like well walk up there and if he flies you're legally allowed to shoot him make sure you don't shoot him off the limb well he flushed I think a little faster than you were expecting. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you didn't get to well, shoot him. Because we it. had no, I had no clue where he was. Right. He flushed like a damn <clears throat> quail. Well, he, he was. He came up quick. He was, you know, probably thirty feet up in a tree, but ten yards away from us. That's how steep that cliff was. Yeah, and like. And it went probably ten straight down into feet a, below us too. Yeah, it went straight down into the you know inlet into a lake, and it's. Yeah. So. Even if we had shot him, there wouldn't have been. That's probably the bird Jeff killed. <laughs> Smart be. bastard. But um, so yeah, man, great season. It was a fun turkey season. I don't think uh, we didn't get to go out at all. But um, I think how many times have we actually turkey hunted together? I want to say it was just that one time. Just the one time. Yeah. Okay. So I think wow. It was. Well, not bad. We're we're a hundred percent on seeing. Turkey. Right. If you're looking for an affordable technical gear style clothing that performs well, that cuts weight from your clothing, but not from your wallet, check out Huntworth. Whether you're hunting early season in Nebraska, mid season in Ohio, or late season in Iowa, Huntworth has a system to keep you comfortable and focused on your hunt. 
With early season fast approaching, we highly recommend checking out the Durham Lightweight Hunting Pants and the Midweight Shelton Hoodie. These items paired with an appropriate base layer will perform at a high level in multiple early season conditions when fishing and hunting. Tonight, I came out here to Jeff's to um, tune my bow up. Uh, been having a little bit of flight issues. Um, you know, everything's flying good, I guess. It's just that my sight was buried to the right, and I think we have it figured out. Um, I think I am underspined, so we're going to shave down a little bit of the arrow, probably about an inch or two, and uh, test it out. Um, we did, so what, what processes did we go through today? We did a bare shaft paper tune, yeah. right? Yeah. And then uh, we did center shot, we did bare shaft paper tune, yeah, we, we didn't shoot the, a fletch shaft. No, we, we checked the timing. Check, check the timing. Check draw length, draw weight, make sure yep. all that stuff was was good to go. Samesies. Um, and yep. then, you know, there's so many different ways that, that that people can tune bows. You know, there's guys that'll shoot bear shafts like we were shooting bear shafts today, trying to get your 20, you know, 20 yards, getting that bear shaft shooting good, you know, yeah. right with your, your flat shaft. Not necessarily like hitting in the same spot, but just like, oriented the same way so that yep. you know you know that that arrow is coming out of the bow really straight it's kind of um, impressive too that we were able to put that long range bear shaft into the target the way we did with a uh, with an underspined arrow yeah and but that yeah it, it, i'm gonna have to do some thinking on that we're because we were at a center shot which could be part of the reason that we had it, you know, that it was shooting well. I think if we get that your spine set and, and put that set put that bow back in the center shot, that everything should yeah. should work out. Because I agree. Yeah, and that and that could possibly be why because your your bow or your sight is buried out to the right. Also, riddle me this: why? Did it work out last year? Shot the same arrows, same weight, everything. It's so weird. Yeah, I don't. With a I different rest. I mean, maybe we just weren't as thorough. I guess I don't know. Um, I felt like we were pretty thorough that night, and like I had zero issues. My sight was pretty well close to the center of the markings and everything, and. Um, but man, if you're going to tell me that my bow's going to be tuned better than last year, that could be pretty, uh, pretty interesting for this year. <laughs> I think, um, I think I am going to go ahead and add another pin or two. What would you do shooting out West? Would you add one pin or two? Probably two. Two? Yeah. I've got four in mind now. I feel like, I mean, I've shot four in, uh, when I did indoor worlds because when you shoot indoor worlds in the IBO, if you're not hunter class, there is no red line. There's either hunter class yellow, you know, 35 yard max, or you've got a 45 yard max. Mm. And I needed, 
I needed four pins with my little my little small person draw length. Yeah. So um, I think I will probably add <clears throat> another two for sure. One because we found out today. So I shot. So I'll kind of give you a rundown. Um, uh, we shot a few at 20 and 30, 40, dropped back to 50, shot a bear shaft at 50, and it was like perfect. And I kind of didn't believe it, so I asked Jeff, like, hey, you know, do you think this thing's fine? And he started laughing. He's like, are you serious? So, <laughs> it, and, and you, don't, you don't accidentally have a perfect bear shaft at... 30 or 40, let alone 50. Like that's not, that, that, that's like Robin Hooding. That's probably less likely than Robin Hooding something at 50 yards. Like it's that rare. So uh, to not have it happen on purpose, like if you, you know, accidentally made a perfect shot is basically what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> that's pretty tough. Yeah. So, uh, we dropped back to like 60 and things were flying well. Everything was flying well. It's just that I had my sight housing buried to the right and I was hitting a little right. Now, yeah. I could easily just aim probably three and a half, four inches well, to the left. We don't want to do that though. No, never. I want to put my pin where I want the arrow to go. Right. So, um, but then if we move the rest to the left to get the right. arrows to come out, then, you know, your, your bear shaft, you're not going to, you're not going to hit the same with that 50 yard bear shaft again. You're not going to yep. hit that straight. So yep. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident that it's, it's a spine issue. Um, yeah. I think if we set that center shot back in, cut that arrow down probably two inch. Cause you, I mean, you're shooting what, 67 pounds? 67 pounds, 27, 27 and a half inches. Draw. But you've got like a 30 inch plus arrow. I yeah. Mean, it's, and 200 grains up front. Yep, 200 grains up front. Um, I've got the Black Eagle X Impacts shooting a 300 spine with the FOCOS Focus system. Um, it's pretty sweet. It protects your arrow and gives you some FOC. I'm not a big fan of like extreme FOC, but I know for a fact that it helps when it comes to like deflecting and all that. It helps drive that arrow so and keeps uh, keeps the arrow from flexing as much on impact, which again, you know, you're reducing vibration and the chance of a, a bad deflection. And you're talking about tiny little things when it all comes down to it, but when you add a few of those up, then it turns into something a little bigger. And, right. you know, maybe you penetrated enough to kill that deer when you wouldn't have if you don't have it. So it's one of those. It's not like you, know, you hit the deer where you should hit it. And, you know, you could probably stand out there pretty far and penetrate it plenty. But um, it was interesting, though. One thing that I have to say that makes me agree with you is when we were adjusting the rest, essentially both arrows were staying the exact same distance apart from each other. The broadhead arrow and the field tip, you know, the bear shaft and the fletch shaft, they were staying the same distance mm -hmm. apart, but just moving it all around the board. Right. So 
Well, I would we, say you're probably right. Right when we got done, you know, we were shooting Fletch or uh, um, Broadhead with the field points, and you were you were hitting what two and a half, three inch group at yeah. sixty yards with Broadheads and field points. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's shooting pretty good right now, but I, yeah. I can definitely be better. And like, I think could absolutely hunt with it, but it's not where we want it to be and. When we're, so, to kind of preface this for you guys that are listening, um, we're going to take this bow out west and try to kill mule deer that are going to probably be pretty long shots. Um, white tails, especially if you're bed hunting, you know, a 30-yard shot is probably going to be a longer shot. So, you know, 30, 35 yards, you're probably going to have a anywhere from 10 to 25-yard range, and that's... You know, you then you're looking at like some serious. Uh, we wouldn't have to do anything to the bow, but again, when you have it tuned as well as we could have it, you're talking about adding another little thing. So if something does go wrong, and maybe you hit a little twig, or you hit you know shoulder blade or whatever, um, maybe that is the difference. So definitely want to take care of all those things. Um, pretty excited. We were trying out, um, a new broadhead tonight. Uh, it's by Afflictor. Um, it's one of their hybrid heads. It's kind of cool to play around with. It's got some pretty cool features. Um, it's, would you call it a rear deploying broadhead? Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah, it's definitely a rear deploying kind of like a, like, like a rage, but different. Like, yeah. It's it's got the what kind of tip they got on the front of that thing. It's like a there's basically like it, like you said it's a hybrid, so it's got that fixed blade. It's the K2 uh, hybrid tip on the front, and then you know with a one and three quarter inch cutting diameter. But yep. they they're kind of like tucked into the ferrule until <clears throat> you know until they hit and deploy deploy outward. So yeah, they're they're pretty neat. I think. I would agree with you and Josh in saying that they'll definitely out-penetrate what I had last year. Um, but I also don't think that you're going to get nearly the result as far as, like, the holes. But, I mean, it's yeah. like anything, it's give and take. I'm also really, really excited. One of the reasons I went with the head I went with last year, which was the um, Bloodsport Gravedigger Extreme, is... Um, so it's a hybrid, it's got a one and a quarter inch blade, uh, fixed blade, and then it's got a two and a quarter inch expandable, and they're perpendicular to each other on the ferrule, but it's got a set screw to adjust the tightness of your expandable blades, so you can pretty much make it to where they don't even deploy if you want, and then that way when you practice, you're not destroying your target. Well, with these... They're kind of folded into the ferrule, as Jeff said, similar to, you know, I would call this more of an expandable than I would an actual hybrid, but it's really cool because it's got this tiny little, like, pin that you can stick in the middle. There's a little hole in the ferrule. When the blades are closed, you can remove the O-ring and stick a little plastic pin in there, and it won't open. So you can practice, and, and this is where... Um, I want to say I talked with Tim Gillingham about this a little bit 
Um, and he's kind of a big proponent on being able to practice with the heads that you hunt with. And now you don't need a practice head. You can pick any head up in the pack and shoot it just like I could with my old broadhead. So really excited about that aspect. Um, they seem like they've got a pretty solid edge. And while the fixed tip, fixed head tip, I don't know really what you would call it yet. Um, <laughs> it's five eighths inches. Um, I do like it, but it is, uh, I don't know. I'm going to have to research what states do not allow that because I feel like a lot of your Western states require at least seven eighths, whether it opens or not. Now this stuff could have changed because I think a lot of people are allowing regular expandables these days. So I'm going to do some research. Yeah, I would, I would think that would go under like the expandable category as yeah. far as that goes though. Cause you know, it's not, it's not a fixed blade. Yeah. Do, so, so when you went to Colorado, what was the rule? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. I took fixed blades. Oh, okay. So I didn't. All right. But I, I'm pretty sure you can use expandables there. Okay. I, I don't. I'm pretty damn excited sure. to shoot a deer. I would love to have like a a perfect opportunity on a big doe or, or big buck, giant buck. Yeah, Take well, a mega yeah. giant buck uh, at like 45 yards or something and just see. Um, what we need to do though, really, is find a fresh roadkill carcass and string it up on like a pole or, you know, whatever, like hang it up to where you could shoot it behind the shoulder. And while I will say you're still not going to get the perfect test that you would get because it wouldn't be standing and putting its weight on its hooves. It'd be kind of jiggly. Um, and it's also not going to be like full of air. And you know, there's probably, there's going to be a little bit in there that kind of skews the test. But I think that's about as close as we're going to get um, other than trying to come up with like Maybe you could stretch a deer hide over a watermelon or a pumpkin or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm sure there's better ways to test than <laughs> stringing up a, a dead a deer in your, deer in your backyard <laughs> that your neighbors would love. My, my neighbors like, already worship hell? my clover plot yard. I'm sure. And and now they're like, could you not Is that, shoot the dead animals? Who, yeah, where'd that come from? Why, do you, why, why are you putting dead animals in here? Just wanted to take a second to tell you about all our other content. If you're on Facebook, head on over to the Field by the Outdoors Facebook page. We currently have over 18,000 members of people who love the outdoors, from the mobile hunter all the way to the hiking enthusiast. Come interact and talk all things outdoors with a robust community of people. Fan of product reviews, fishing, hunting videos? Go check out the Field by the Outdoors YouTube channel. If there's any topic or content you would like for us to cover, just send us a message. And if you like what you're seeing and hearing, then hit that join or subscribe button. We hope all our content fuels your passion for the outdoors. So it was a fun night though. Um, learned a lot. Uh, it was cool to test the, uh, the K2 broadhead here from Afflictor. And then we did play with the Zinger uh, Fletches so so let's break that down then so 
when we go to the zinger, that's that's even less weight on the back, so that right. even weakens your spine even more. Yeah, the more okay. the more weight you put on the back of the arrow, it actually stiffens it up a little yeah. bit. Okay. The more weight so on the front of the arrow weakens it. I remember our argument about that when I was like, no. Yeah. And we, then when you explained it. We had like, a little brain fart there for a second. Yes, you're right, actually. Um, yeah, I, I think the zingers are pretty cool. It's a pretty cool concept. I still have some questions about them. Um, we shot a few arrows with them on tonight. I definitely think that it's going to require a completely different tune essentially because they're they're basically with with my four fletch that i run um what did we figure out they were basically 20 grains lighter which is yeah, like yeah this was what 14 and a half grains yeah. and yeah. it was like 33 yeah something so 19 for four, 20 grains for a max what max stealth yeah and that's a shitload of weight when you're like when you when I bear shaft tuned for the first time and went from a hundred grain point, I had uh, my fletched and my bear shaft and my fletch shaft was hitting the dot, but the bear shaft was like two and a half inches, two o'clock of it. And I added 25 grains, I think, or no, I think I went from an 85 to a hundred. So I added 15 grains and um, they like, bam, slammed right into each other. And I'm like, Holy shit, that's crazy. <laughs> this is some... <clears throat> well, the, the surface area that these things actually touch, <clears throat> the arrow, too, I mean, that's what, three-quarters of an inch, maybe? Yeah, three-quarters, roughly. I mean, they're these are really super small, and those, I want to say those AAEs are like maybe three inches, yeah. 2.6 or yeah. something like that. I think so, they're three-inch. So you've got a lot more contact on the back of that arrow too that's i think going to add a little bit of stiffness yeah so think. when you say stiffness you're basically talking about slowing down the arrow would well you say? just the or the surface it's, it's the area same that reason that people will they'll fletch their arrows up when the, and then when they're going to bear shaft it they'll just cut the actual vein off but leave the the glued portion to the sure. arrow because that's going to change the spine of the arrow also Having those, the have, okay. having those four pieces of the vein actually glued to the shaft. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So, you know, the the a lot less contact with this. I don't know if that's going to change it anymore or change it at all um, yeah. as opposed to going with just a standard, you know, four-fletch configuration. I don't know. We'll have to do a little, uh, maybe like next week or something, do a little little bow party again and um, see if we can essentially maybe even start with the zingers. You know what we could do is just take one of the other bows I have. I have Josh's old bow. We just set that damn thing up and, and shoot yeah. the same arrows out of it and just set up two different bows, same draw length, same draw weight, whole nine, and then that way we could tune two different bows and not have to worry about it because, man, once you once you get one in tune, you really, like, we didn't even have that thing all the way in tune and we didn't want to move it. Right. Um, so I completely... Yeah, I would, I would be interested to see 
how these things group because like we only had one arrow right with that had these on it so we were just shooting them next to the another arrow that had the max stealth on yep. it they they weren't hitting together they weren't hitting the same spot and they shouldn't have yeah so that's what i'm saying like to actually have you know four four or five arrows with these on them so you can actually see how they group yep um you know compared to another another set and that's that's one thing i'm going to do with my <clears throat> dozen arrows that i've got is uh i'm probably going to do four four different configurations you know three arrows each and go out and shoot them and shoot them and shoot them and shoot them and just kind of log how how they group and which ones group better which ones group worse all that kind of deal so hell yeah man we that should, um that should be fun but i gotta get my limbs in first yeah you aren't kidding so another another little tidbit um about this that we did last year that was pretty cool <clears throat> we clocked my arrows which is something i'd never done you basically stand at like three steps mark the top of your arrow shaft bear shaft and shoot it into a target and see which way the arrow spins um they all i'm a righty they all spun left, so you fletch with a left helical to steer the arrow the way that it's going, and it recovers faster, supposedly. Um, one of my buddies had actually uh, taught me this. Uh, his name's Cameron Freed, really cool dude, and probably, probably, mm, I would say the best amateur I, I really even hate to say amateur because i think he shot semi-pro last year and he might be this year but don't quote me on that but pretty much the best archer i've met outside of uh the actual pros if you will so he's very very good he's beaten all kinds of people he beat me beat my ass at state uh, a couple years ago i couldn't believe it like not even not even a, a game it was pathetic um so anyway that was that was one thing we did last year that seemed to help us uh fly really well but uh we've got a new year with a few new pieces of equipment and we're gonna get them tuned up and um hopefully we'll have a little video for you guys to to see i know some people care about this stuff a lot don't but if you're wanting to up your game a little bit um this is a great way to do it tinkering Tinkering's fun. It can cost you sometimes, but lots of times you end up doing some pretty cool stuff that helps you out. Well, now's the time to do it. Yes. I mean, you might as well do it now where it's nice out. You can get out and you can shoot. You know, there's there's always the people that are trying to get new strings for their bow, you know, in the end of August. Think about what happened with me last year when my Bowtech SR Sucks <laughs> took a shit and... Um, you offered me the bow that I have now to use, to borrow for the season, and this was, <clears throat> what, a couple days? Two days? I think it was two days before Kentucky season. Yeah. Um, there was not a lot well, of time. You kept, you kept freaking hem-hauling around. You're like, well, I don't know. I said, dude, come get this freaking bow. Yeah. Just come get it. We'll set it up, shoot it. Man. And how many deer did you kill last One year? of the best decisions I've ever made. Uh, I killed three. Yeah. I shot a buck and two does, and um, buck went 27 yards and died. 
uh, in 22 seconds. A doe died in 22 seconds again in 60 yards, and then another doe went like 62 yards. And, uh, she bedded down and was expired in less than a minute, so it was pretty cool. Um, but that was one of those cases where I had, you know, a couple days or whatever to basically get a new bow that I'd never shot before, get it tuned, get everything sighted in, and then go hunt. And then uh, we kind of revisited because I was using the Spartans uh, by Black Eagle, and then um, I got those X impacts in, which are like completely different. They're a nano diameter and had the giant FOC OS focus system deal on the front so uh we kind of switched it up a little bit and got her tuned up and um it was pretty cool but yeah i i definitely feel way better doing this stuff in june than late august because oh, um, i know now we can hook up next week probably going to have it tuned and uh and, and honestly, I can probably do this part myself. I've got an aerosol. I've got, I really have everything. I just like having you do it. <laughs> I secretly like hanging out with you. Um, yeah, we have a good time. It's, it's pretty fun. So you're going to have to come over next week and let me bring your bow and, and let me uh, maybe make like a, a pork butt or something. But um, Well, like I said, I'm, I'm still waiting on the set of limbs that come in for my bow. I bought that bow used and the guy I bought it off of said 70 pounds, you know, it's a, it's a 2019, uh, PSE carbon air stealth guy told me it was 70 pounds. Um, got it, you know, shipped to my house. I paid him for it and I got two different bow scale or, you know, draw weight scales in my house and both of them said it's 60 pounds wow so i called the guy you know i messaged him back i said hey bud you know like what what this thing is you said it was 70 pounds and it's it's 60 and he's like well it felt like 70 to me <laughs> i'm like oh okay <laughs> like that's that's amazing so um and he he's he's gonna make it right he he ordered some uh, allegedly from uh from PSE through his shop. Uh, I was told it was three weeks out. He owns a shop? No, 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 no. Okay. I didn't know. From I was going to say. From his local shop. What the hell shop is that? No, no, no. And uh, he he said it was three weeks out, and it's been probably six now. Six weeks. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm shooting a 60-pound bow this year. We'll, we'll find out. Oh, boy. I hope not, but, you know. Man, how could you? Oh, that's so annoying. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was 70. Felt like 70. Yeah, right. It's like, Did it. Ah, uh, okay. Did it. My God. Interesting. Well, so, dude, we'll I appreciate you, appreciate you coming on tonight, and um, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, get me home. I'm probably going to be home about midnight now, but that's all right. We had some fun. Yeah. Did a little bow tuning, a little bow shooting tonight. I feel like. I'm very old now. I've confirmed that. Um, Can't but, shoot 50, 50 shots in a day anymore? Yeah, after not shooting forever. Um, <laughs> need to need to get out there, and we need to get this thing set up and tuned. That way um, I can go out and shoot every day like I did for years. 
now I feel like naked without shooting my bow. It's weird because normally everything just like happens. It's like muscle memory. And uh, man, when I stepped up today, I went to grip my bow and I'm like, wait, is this right? <laughs> Got to think about it a little like, bit. What the hell? So I had to kind of get in a groove, but feeling pretty good now other than the shoulder feeling not that good, but I'm sure it's just loosening things up and all that. So um, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, we will come back at you next week with an episode uh, probably with some more archery and uh, we're going to start breaking down whitetails here. We're, we're scouting pretty heavy and uh, hanging cams and everything. We've got some beautiful bucks showing up and we should have some nice little scouting tips and stories for you next week as well as some other good content. So appreciate you all tuning in. Thanks to Jeff for uh, joining me tonight and uh, we'll see you guys later. See you. Bye.